0: Hello everyone and welcome. This is the Euphoria Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and SoundCloud. The podcast for all of you LEC fans watching Worlds. But here at Worlds, it's not just gonna be about the LEC, but every region. Now, yesterday we wrapped week one of groups, and we're gonna talk all about that, as well as check in with Yankos and make some quick predictions for who makes it out of each group coming into week two. So I'm Dracos, this is Frost, and we're Hello. here we're here to guide you through everything dear audience and uh, first one up week one of groups. We're calling this segment BS or Big Brain. Now the thing is, is if you've been on the so if you haven't been on the social media verse, you may not be aware. You may actually have a very cool-headed temperament right now. You might just think that results are results. That you're excited about some teams that you're not as excited about other teams. But as always, when you take to social media, everything gets taken to the extreme. So I've got three statements here, kind of farmed out. From public sentiment, no specific tweets or anything, just homogenized. Homogenized, yes. And general opinions that I want to run by you, Frost, and get your opinion. And so I'm going to run through each one. You can tell me if this is BS or big brain, and we can talk about why. And the first one, 2020 the return of LCK dominance, BS or big brain Frosco, What are you thinking?
1: I think it's BS. <laughs> <laughs> and I've talked a little bit about this uh, on broadcast, but if you guys haven't caught the uh, starter broadcast, it basically works like this. It's separating Damwon from the rest of the LCK. And I think this does two things. I think it is uh, disingenuous to say that all of the LCK is dominating because DRX are getting outclassed by uh, top esports. Mm as well Mm -hmm. as Jinji, have now just fallen down to Fnatic and has also looked a little bit shaky, whereas Damwon just looks like a cut head and shoulders above the competition. So I think it's important to separate them in terms of really celebrating what Damwon are good at and it's not meant to be a slight at the lck but it is meant to have nuance in the conversation and to be realistic right now this looks like Damwon, and then a bunch of lpl teams and then maybe you can throw in drx and then maybe down there it's jinji at least in my opinion i know some people are are arguing that maybe jinji should be higher up and their performance could have been um slanted because of ruler's ear infection
0: yeah and of course there's always room for things to change uh so keep in mind, it's technically called week one of groups and week two of groups, but there's literally only a one day break. It's today and then tomorrow groups are going to start again. We'll start with groups A. So it is a tight turnaround. but We only week, get one day. Week, yes, <laughs> week two, a.k.a. week one part two, um, you know, a lot of stuff historically has changed. Historically, there's usually been more time um, between both of those, but as the world schedule gets tighter and tighter, there's less room for those extra days to sit cozy and to adapt. But I, I'm inclined to agree with you. I think that like for me... Day one gaming obviously look a cut above. And I think that anytime a single team from a region succeeds, I think people are always eager to be like, that region has mm-hmm. succeeded. And don't get me wrong, when G2 made finals, when G2 won MSI, when Fnatic made finals, that was a big victory for Europe and the LEC. But that didn't mean that Europe as a region was suddenly like giga smurfing it all the time. It's not like our domestic competition instantly shot through the roof. In fact, this year, after all that success, it actually kind of stagnated a little bit. So I'm with you. But I guess the follow up for me is like, when do we consider, like, what does it need to... What needs to happen for it to be regional dominance? Is it, like, everyone needs to get out of groups? Everyone needs to... Do we need, like, three out of four teams in a semifinal to be, uh, you know, I Korean mean, teams?
1: LCK has done that before, so I would say, yes, that is true. And it, it also sucks then, because LCK have kind of set what regional dominance looks like in the past. And so, while... It is nice to see the LCK sending, you know, some newer or younger faces rather than some of the older names that people are used to seeing. You know, there's no SKT here, although we have seen Damwon a couple of times now. Um, it, it is about they set that bar so high. And now I don't know if anyone will ever reach it again. Like even with the LPL on their current trajectory to have three out of four spots in semifinals to have a region versus region final Uh, type of event like that. And even when uh, G2 won MSI, I think that there was a really good discussion and a very important discussion of has the gap closed? Mm -hmm. And it was like, no, G2 closed that gap, but that doesn't necessarily pull Mad Lions along with them. And now we have you know, proof of that, that uh, certain systematic things may have led to Mad Lions collapse. I think Mac gave a great interview about that in the previous episode. Yeah, but yeah. ultimately, like you're saying, uh, just because G2 won didn't suddenly make all European teams contenders.
0: Yeah, and if you're a Danwan gaming fan, you're going to hope that a lot of what they're able to do rubs off on the rest of the region. But Danwan were also ludicrously dominant domestically, which is a lot of what we saw in 2019 from G2. Obviously, 2020 was a much less consistent year for G2, even if they did ultimately win two splits. If you just look at the headlines, obviously, it looks like G2 had another incredibly dominant year. But if you watch game to game, it's a very different story. So for the LCK, maybe they hope that even if Dan Wally Gaming can make finals or if they can even win Worlds, that they can bring that back and that they can help level up the region. But I agree. Like, I think it's too soon. I think it's a fair question to ask because I think anytime someone like really bucks the trend the way that you know g2 esports did when they came in and started you know here's- beating korean teams in best of five. same with Fnatic. Uh, and th- when, when damwon comes out swinging like this and showing us so much more than kr teams did last year then i think it is fair to be like oh what does this actually mean what is this uh what is this happening
1: here's my question for you now if it's just damwon like let's say they go and they win the entire tournament but jinji and drx aren't a part of that victory no is, is that still lck dominance
0: no, I think that the thing that we learned, I think, is that it will, it's going to drive interest and it's going to make people more excited about the LCK. But I don't think you get LCK dominance from that because I think the, the summer split after we won MSI, speaking from the perspective of the LSC here, people wanted to see what the best team in Europe looked like because it felt like at that moment in time that the best team in Europe could be or would be one of the best teams in the world, if not the best team in the world. And I think that'll do the same thing for the LCK. And that's cool. And that's cool for LCK fans and longtime viewers. And if that, like, makes people more excited about the LCK, good for them. But, I, I, I'm on the definition that we're on earlier. Like, if you want regional dominance, it has to come from a high level across the representatives you send. Now, let's say LPL gets three out of four in and LGD bomb out in groups, right? I'd still call that LPL dominance. Don't get me wrong. I think like three out of four is probably enough. I'm not so... Sting- you mean semis. Semis, yeah, semis. I, I'm not as stingy as enough to say like it has to be semis. I think it's just you have to have consistent high placements across multiple teams and I think that that and probably you have to have a team win the title too if i think about it because i could because i if, was about to ask yeah, that if you have
1: three lpl teams but the one lck team in semi like let's say our four teams in semis three are lpl one is lck and the lck team wins do you say then that lpl has regional dominance so it's like for regional dominance you have to get probably multiple teams into semis yeah. and you have to win
0: i i think you're right because i think that's that's ultimately what it comes down to because if i think about And you can ask yourself this question at home, too. Like, when you look at 2018, 2019 and the success of Europe, uh, and obviously the biggest notes are Fnatic and G2, but we did get three teams out of groups last year. Is that regional dominance? No, but I felt like that was the first time that we're a contender. I feel like if you're getting all your teams out of groups or most of your teams out of groups and you're fighting for semifinal spots, I know that you have very specific language you want to use. So maybe you want to use something different than contender. But like that to me means you're at the table. And more often than not, means you're top three. Because I actually don't think that there is room for top four. At Worlds, from what we've seen, I think there is with eight slots across all these groups. I think if there, if any one region is going to be dominant, there's only room for three.
1: So then there's also an interesting conversation about um, LPL specifically. Like, do you think LPL has regional dominance right now?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I'm inclined to feel that way. Yes, because
1: they only got what it was EDG versus uh, Fnatic, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and EDG lost. Or did they win? I can't remember now. I think they lost.
0: They lost. And then there was the Cloud Nine. Cloud Nine right?
1: Africa. And then KT Invictus Gaming, IG one, and then it was G two um
0: RNG? Which which worlds are we talking about at this point? You've lost me now. Uh,
1: I just I'm trying to think back to last year's worlds. Mm-hmm. Because now you have LPL winning or no, I think this was twenty eighteen worlds. You have LPL winning two world championships back to back, but I'm trying to remember how many LPL teams represented them in semifinals. And I think it's only two, maybe. But, like, is it winning the multiple titles back-to-back that then would give them regional dominance? And would you consider that the same regional dominance, like, in the same definition of this region is currently the one that is the most powerful holistically?
0: Yeah. So top eight was EDG, RNG, KT, Afrika, Cloud9, G2, Fnatic, and IG. So Cloud9 beat Afrika pretty handily, if I remember correctly. EDG lost to Fnatic. They played each other. Fnatic beat, won that. Um, and then g2 played rng of course the infamous perks game five pop off saving the day and uh, process elimination ktig it looks like i uh, don't remember all of those games super vividly except for you know ha, you know the perks the perks one in the fanatic one versus cloud nine because that one was that was sick a little licorice first blipo um, um but i do think that when you win multiple years and it's like the more years consecutively i think that your region wins in a row the like more of a leeway you get probably for regional dominance especially when it's across multiple teams because we've talked about this before we talked about Korea and SKT but it wasn't while well, SKT were certainly the strongest team I and mean, for a while it was to just kind of feel like the SKT show season 4 obviously coming through SKT eventually losing in a Korea Korea final after I think three back-to-back I mean, Korea Korea finals it's the Tigers
1: Samsung and SKT yeah those were like the three big teams and obviously they've gone through different um iterations and once you remove SKT from like the statistics of regionals uh, of Korea's dominance, they still have a lot of titles, but it is a significantly, you know, taken back. Oh, yeah. So it was about and again, the reason the reason why I think that this is an important conversation and nuance is I think you kind of you bunch up all of the teams like you bunch up all the LPL teams. And you're like, oh, yeah, LPL. They're very scary. You bunch up all the LCK teams like oh L- LCK very scary. And then you don't get that conversation that celebration about the individual players and the individual teams themselves and how they are different. They're not just one homogenous entity, Mm -hmm. which is what uh, at least I think you and I and I think the LEC team really strive to do with G2 and like trying to celebrate them right now and celebrate them for how unique they are. And, you know, maybe this is like, again, gaps between a western audience versus an eastern audience and language barrier not being able to be as close to those teams in terms of coverage as we would like to be i'm talking about the lck and the lpl teams mm-hmm. but you know i just think that i think it's better for damn One personally if we recognize them as the powerhouses they are instead of tying Lump, them lumping
0: up. them in and trying yeah. to tie their success to the LCK's success yeah and i think obviously there's always going to be a relationship there but i do think you're right and i think part of that is at the end of the day, there are League of Legends super fans. We have both been them in the past where we watched literally every VOD from every region because we just sold our soul to eSports. But if you're a casual viewer, hell, even if you're like a more serious viewer, you probably are if you're watching this show. Um you probably don't watch every VOD of every region. You might tune in for the really great games. You might tune in for all the playoffs.
1: You might passively have it on a second monitor.
0: Yeah, but you're not you're not hardcore watching everything. So I think part of the reason why, we, why people just want to lump things together is one, because obviously this like regional rivalries are really important to people. And two, also for simplicity. Like if IG and FPX won the last two world championships, you're just going to assume that the LPL teams are crazy. And then it's, I think, our job and the job of people who are um, even then like Regular LPL viewers or LPL experts to be like, well, okay, this LGD team, I'm going to need you to pump the brakes on a little bit. We're going to need you to slow down and back it up. LPL, good, yes. LGD, good question mark. You know, <laughs> like, um, even if they have been finding success recently. So I do think it's always an interesting discussion because I think that, like, the language and terminology around league as a sport, we don't really reevaluate very often, right? Because we just. Ha- because during the period of LCK dominance, there was nothing else. We had no reason to reevaluate. This is the first time, really, that we've actually had to start having this conversation because there was no reason to have it until, well, ch- uh, Korea stopped winning world championships.
1: Damn it, Korea. Why Damn couldn't it, Korea. you just keep everything Why simple? Why couldn't Faker
0: just keep winning? Those people made that sexy music video and you're not even at Worlds. Oh, it's so good,
1: too. Okay, what's our next question? All
0: right. The next one is quite simply LOL. Um... <laughs> Look, every year this happens. If you're an NA fan and you listen to this podcast, we're not just going to like we're not here to roast your region. You can go to your own podcasts or regional representatives and they'll do a much better job than we could cuz they know more intimate details and it's just they can
1: meme you harder. They
0: can meme you harder cuz they know where it hurts. We don't know where it hurts. We just know that it hurts. Um and so I guess the thing that I want to talk about is we can agree. And I think if you've, again, if you haven't been on social media, it's just a constant stream of what I think are overreactions. Maybe you feel differently. You call I us, us have
1: know. a really good take that I would like to deliver. Do it. Okay. I was talking uh, to some LCS coaches. I will not reveal who they are, but I'm letting you know that this is not just my opinion. And it is instead being channeled through me as we had some conversations about this, about the conversation of what is happening in North America, mm. because a lot of the conversation gets repeated and you're like, oh yes, a smaller server size, yes, the ping issues, the solo queue, the ecosystem, all of these things. The LCS coaches that I were, was talking to um, proposed a different perspective, that LCS players don't understand matchups on a fundamental level well enough comparatively to world's competition. And you can go and you can check for that. You can check if they are losing both sides of matchups that are considered counter matchups or how they think about matchups specifically. Renekton Volleybear, I would go and check that one for an example, that they aren't timing jungle waves, that there's or, um, side waves with jungle pathing, and that there's no conversation about this, that in comms, their laners aren't, feeding this information to the jungler and the jungler isn't thinking to ask about it and so you have a lot of situations where have you ever noticed if your your top laner seems to be dying or someone dies in one of your side lanes and the jungler isn't on that side of the map but their wave just got away from them and is out of control and suddenly Something got away from them, mm-hmm. that their uh, objective setup, or even when they do win, that they're only winning through, you know, 5v5 A-ramming into team fights, and then they're able to pick up that team fight and snowball it into an objective rather than, you know, trading towers or handshaking objects. It's these things that are missing, these core fundamentals that uh, the other world-class caliber teams are really well drilled on and it's just creating these really big gaps. And so it feels like, to me, when you see a North American team really pull out a victory, it's where there's either a massive draft difference or the other team makes massive mistakes and then the NA team gets to catch them versus, very rarely, a North American team applying pressure, forcing mistakes, and then capitalizing
0: on it. So... My question is then with this with these kind of ideas that have been shared with you from from various coaches behind the scenes is like, how do you then look at Team Liquid's victory over G2 today? Because I think people would say to you, like, look, that was a very clearly planned level one, right? And I looked just at the early game and that felt like a very clear, very concise, very well put together strategy. I didn't why don't you just tell me how you feel about that, Matt? Because
1: I think that this fits into the idea that the practice also isn't teaching these things. You know, if no teams are punishing um, people who don't understand matchups or specific trade windows or how a matchup plays out, then scaling is going to be the predominant meta that can work there, which allows you to blind pick something like a Twitch and Recon because you don't think that you're going to get Dravened in the face and lose that hard sure. because it simply hasn't happened to you. And so when you do have that happen, you're still a talented player. Like you're still challenged. You know what I mean? Like there's a baseline that you need to make and you learn from it. So they literally get blasted by sooning, TL specifically in draft phase. And then you see the adaptation. And also you have, you know, so much... Raw experience around you from, you know, multiple world champions that have played in other regions that I also think are kind of the core strongest players, if you will, core JJ there for TL in specific. And I think that he was one of the massive reasons why he stepped up. But like, my theory is is that the longer a tournament goes on, the better a North American team will get that they will improve their performance over what you saw domestically because of their access to competition and their ability to quickly learn. I think we also saw that with a lot of the LMS teams like Flash Wolves. You would look at them domestically you'd be like, you know, they're making a lot of mistakes, they're never getting punished for it. I'm very worried for them, but over the course of a tournament until they got into a best of 5 especially in best of 1s they'd look really strong because getting access to those scrims and that caliber of talent they'd be able to figure out how these trades are supposed to work you know they'd finally be punished things or figure out wave management that they weren't as experienced in these level 1s and so i think you're you're seeing exactly that tl had really bad habits from playing domestically um they breeze through plans because no one contested them on it and maybe they even dodge facing one of the stronger teams and not facing unicorns of love they go into groups and suddenly they're playing and i don't even think the strongest teams at the tournament you know what would jdg or dam or tes do to tl right now like g2 sooning and machi's group looks very very close and they just get slaughtered by Sooning and they learn a very valuable lesson and then they immediately pivot and change it and There is credit to some of the things that TL did very well, but I talked about it on the analyst desk, you know, uh, Picking the winning 2v2 bot side, having Callista and Set, and even picking Callista into the Ash, which most of the time Ash is a really good pick into Callista. But then um, the flash being burned from Mickey on the level one meant that Alistair Ash is just like a garbage lane. Like you, you're not gonna be able to do anything that, to that. And yep. core JJ and Tactical really abused that, made sure that they always had push priority while that flash was down. And that unlocked Core to run to the mid lane with his tempo and Impact the matchup and give Jensen, like Caps was basically 1v3 at that scenario. And they bred uh, Yankos really well. You know, the early invade to split Yankos' pathing. I'm going to assume that Impact knew that he was playing weak side. So he was just super respectful on the wave, which is why he fell down multiple CS. But I'd have to check the pro view. Maybe he just played that matchup poorly before the initial back from Renekton. Because you shouldn't fall that behind the Renekton on the volley bear, especially not pre-level six. But it, it's just like, it's these little things where I feel like, it was a really good level one strategy. They learned from their lessons. And then it was the, you know, former world champion that led the charge to kind of set everything up for TL. But there were still key mistakes. You know, that Ash Arrow, when they went to contest for the dragon, being caught out on that mid wave. If that was an even footing game, G2, like TL could have thrown everything there. They could have lost the game, but they got snowballed so far ahead that they were able to maintain it. But even in some of those fights, you know, that very last fight, if TL weren't multiple you know thousands of gold ahead and slapping g2 with their wallet suddenly that game might flip on its side and it's those things that you have to watch out for there's a reason why those things keep happening to the north american teams
0: and i mean that's a scary prospect but i think when you started this kind of assessment it sounded very very grim for north america but the thing that i like is that when you talk about these teams come onto this stage they take a tough loss they learn it and they incorporate in their next game makes me feel like this note of optimism that like this is not a situation that NA is stuck in, but one that they can find a way out of because when they're given the opportunity to learn these fundamentals that you say are like that where the coaches are telling you that are, are missing in domestic competition in the LCS, they do learn, they do adapt, and it seems to be that they adapt pretty quickly.
1: Because I think the same thing is true for the LEC. And I think a lot of uh, North American fans get really upset because they hear this statement and then they assume that by default, I'm saying that the LEC is suddenly on this pedestal that like knows all these things that NA doesn't, and that's not true. The LEC makes tons of these mistakes as well. I'm talking about in terms of comparative to the best of the best teams. You know, These yeah. are mistakes that Damwon are not going to make. And G2, I don't think that they're a tournament favorite. I heard that word get thrown around in the cast today, and I was like, I don't know about that one. I think G2 might classify as a dark horse. Yeah. But to say that they're a tournament favorite, to say that they're infallible, I just think is incorrect. Now G2 did surprise me, particularly the form that Perks and Mickey came into. For sure, I was expecting them to be a lot weaker than they were, and I'm I'm happy to see that. But ultimately, you know, you're still seeing issues in G2 and how they don't support Yankos on these carry-oriented junglers, and that unfortunately carries over to Yankos and makes him look pretty fallible on these junglers like Nidalee and Graves. And I don't think that's all Yankos' fault. I think that G2 are used to their jungler playing for their laners, when right now the top teams have their laners playing for their jungler. Yeah.
0: So right now, here's my question for you to round this out. NA, lol, is it BS or big brain? Like, do you think people are really overreacting here? Do you think it's this life or death crisis that it always feels like it's magnified to be? Or do you I think, think it's, it's real,
1: but I don't think that people are focusing on the right thing. And it's kind of like the discussion that we had in After Dark, whereas I... I don't believe that people are stealing paychecks. Like, I think that's just like a really dirty thing to say. I think that they actually do want to win, but they don't know how. And at some point, there's multiple people who have to come under responsibility. The players need to take the responsibility by recognizing I don't know how this matchup works. I'm not putting in the effort to figure this out, or I don't know what the correct practice hygiene, if you will, is to figure this out.
0: You don't know what you don't know.
1: And it's also on the orgs to figure out the infrastructure and get these players the resources, if that's boot camping in uh, Korea or China, which obviously much more difficult now to the global circumstance of COVID that we're in, or that's importing different voices and perspectives. But, you know, this is a multi-pronged problem that I think is beyond just our population is smaller our academy system our ping it from what i've heard in talking to lcs coaches it's a complete uh, philosophical issue Mm. and it's in a practice regime issue there's you're not getting the practice out of solo queue that you want it's not because of the ping it's because the dude across from you doesn't know how this matchup works any more than you understand it and then you go and you face the dude from the lpl and you're like oh that's how that matchup works and suddenly you're top gapped by 40 cs
0: yikes it's difficult. It's a difficult time. Um, optimism, though, for, for NA teams a little bit. Obviously, the TSM loss sucks. Obviously, um, you know, FlyQuest beating well is a nice little panacea, and ultimately, at the end of the day, TL did still beat G2. So, NA fans, I hope you're riding high for today, and I hope that for week two that you at least get some good news and get a, a team Take that groups. one in the
1: comments, guys. Give me your best. G2's down on the ground right now. We're suffering. Dracos and I, oh, Bias, we're on the ground. Kick us. <laughs> Give me your best, your best insult in the comments.
0: <laughs> there it is. Um, regardless, Help. I heard you say it, so it feels like, uh, the agreement is generally there. When we talk about Titans of the tournament right now, we're talking about T.O.P., D.W.G., and J.D.G., and the man that we are hoping may take down these Titans is none other than Yankos, and he had an interview with Lore earlier today. Let's see what he had to say.
2: Thank you, Jakers. Lore here, special, uh, first time in Euphoria. Actually, I'm with Yankos right now. Yankos! I don't wanna know how you feel, but I wanna know do you have something special to say to Frost or Dracos about this embarrassment of a game?
3: <laughs> yeah, um I'd like to you know make the all NA fans happy with this with this lose uh, from G2. Uh, We saw the Reddit uh, comments and we saw the Twitter comments, so we just decided that we should be kinder to our NA guys. After all, we are all like the West, right? So we are all together in this. So We just thought that giving Team Liquid a win will make everyone happier and then we can take it back on Thursday.
2: How nice of you, really. And uh, honestly, we also have to learn because we've been flaming them so hard during the year that it it backfires at some point, right? But I mean, what went wrong in the game uh, if you had to give some highlights or specifics?
3: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I've been flaming them pretty hard before the game, so I feel like every time I do, it really backfires. I'll probably never do it again. But besides that, um, I think the level one, of course, was like a big issue in the game, right? I mean, we kind of did expect the cheese, but I still got flashed on level one, and then I died, and then that made me behind the game. And if jungle is behind, of course, the lanes are not as happy as they could be otherwise. And I felt like at some point I caught up and I was level ahead, but we made a lot of mm, miss plays on the map like our bot lane was trying to help me maybe slightly too much right uh, this this one time they moved for the crab i believe top side where we over committed uh, to kill set where ash dropped like two waves bot lane and on top of that we still didn't kill the set but we got like really chunked by oriana because we over chased so i think we made a lot of misplays and then we made some decent plays i mean we had like a really great ash arrow into alistar combo in the mid wave where we got two kills so it wasn't like a stomp right um but we were playing from the back foot starting level one and it's kind of the name for the game for us so far that we lose a lead level one. Like even against Machi Gaming, I felt like I couldn't really vertical jungle because my bot lane could get dived. So I had to go bot to like, so, so they can like get get me behind instead of our bot lane behind. And then I was behind and then they kind of misplayed and I pulled ahead again. And this, this game was very similar where I... Botlane tried to, like, help me too much because I was behind. So now they got behind, right? So, like, every game someone is behind because someone else loses advantage from, like, stupid mistakes. Um, and then, again, signing was, like, pretty similar. So I feel like there are ways we can fix it, and I wouldn't be too worried. But, of course, I feel like everyone can still win against everyone at Worlds. And it's not like we are much better than, you know, Team Liquid, Machi or signing. I mean, the signing game, we shall probably lost. Machi, uh, we struggled. I mean, we. some people could say we had too much fun, but we just inted a lot, right? I mean, it was fun because we felt in control, but we still inted. And then right now against Team Liquid, we lost, which is very disappointing. So I think uh, we can show a better performance on Wednesday, uh, sorry, Thursday. And we will definitely be more mindful of uh, our early games so that we don't drop leads so that our mid and late game can be stronger.
2: It's actually something I wanted to talk to you about, the early game as a whole and your role as a jungler in the early game, because it looks like, in three, in the, I mean, in all three games, you were in so much trouble in, a, in the early game, in the jungle. Uh, the, I mean, your opponent getting ahead and everything. Uh, can you tell me something about the meta as a whole? Uh, when it comes to G2, the fact that you know how to play carry junglers, and do you think you're struggling with this meta? And if so, why?
3: Uh, I mean, I do think that we play worse with carry junglers than we do with uh, junglers that can help lanes. It's kind of, I think, a mix, a bit of both me playing worse and also my team not really being comfortable with this. I feel like for the whole year and like even last year in G2, we have always been playing like the ganking junglers. So I was always proactive on the map. I was always like the first to make the play. And thanks to that, I could pull my lanes ahead. But now with carry jungle, the meta is a little bit different. So I should be more selfish and I should focus more on myself. But my lanes still, our communication doesn't always allow it, right? And we still try to help lanes or we try to, like, play for lanes as lanes are, like, our star players. So I feel like in a lot of the games, um, I'm giving up my lead or like my game to help someone or we are drafting in a way where we don't secure the jungle matchup but we more or less secure like the outscaling lanes or just stronger lanes in the later stages and we leave me alone in the early game which I think is fine uh, because I can play much better in these scenarios Uh, I feel like in the Team Liquid game, right, we got Cheese, like I mentioned, level one. So already then it's it's hard, but I still pulled ahead uh, against Brox, I felt like in that matchup. And then in the Machi game, um, yeah, I just had to give up, otherwise the game would play over level two. Uh, as my bot lane would get dived. And then I think in the signing game was probably the worst game because that was entirely on me. I think that uh, the fact that uh, I was uh, going too deep on enemy raptors, you know, dying there, giving up a kill, giving up jungle tempo uh, was really, really bad. So I think the signing game from my side was was definitely like the worst one. I feel like the other two were honestly fine. I I didn't feel like uh, I was uh, behind of enemy jungle. I feel like I was like pulling ahead in levels and I was just like overall useful for the team. Um, But we do feel less comfortable Yeah, we do feel less comfortable uh, with these drafts and it shows, of course, right? And I also play worse, I can agree with that. So uh, it's something we are trying to work on and it's something I'm trying to work on so that uh, heading into, I guess, Thursday for now and hopefully we make it to quarters, uh, we can show a better performance.
2: It's interesting because I feel like right now, with the the way the game is played, you can play around multiple win conditions. So I'm just wondering, is it possible to just tweak the drafts a little bit so it looks a bit more like G2 and less uh, like the world's draft we've been used to seeing so far? How open is the meta, do you think?
3: Uh, I mean, I think the meta is open in a way where it's possible to draft some... Uh, I mean, yeah, different lanes, right? Or different jungle matchups. You can, in theory, give up uh, a scaling jungler and play something like, for example, Gemini played, like the Machi Machi jungler against uh, Team Liquid. He was playing Volibear, and he, you know, was doing really, really, really well in the early game. So that's possible still. I feel like Volibear, for example, is one of these picks that can farm and gank um and yeah you do have a lot of flex peaks going around the mid lane because you can play both adap Uh, around top though i feel like top meta is very straightforward i feel like there's only renekton volibear and camille pretty much right and then some players um, are pulling out their pocket picks and then around bot lane I think the meta is also pretty versatile but there are priority picks like Ashe that are just being picked into every, every game if it's not banned right and then again some bot lanes have preferences between like Twitch Rakan Caitlyn Lux or Rhea Kalista um, I feel like a game against uh, Team Liquid so today's game was Focus are a lot around the top side, right? With like all these three bands for impact and then picking first picking the Nekton, which it didn't really pay off because I couldn't really make wound that I had since what happened and what happened. But I mean there are multiple ways of winning the game, like you mentioned. So as long as you agree on one way as a team and you play towards that winning condition, it's it's possible to win by drags, or by snowballing, or by farming for late game, um, and the drafts can be different as well.
2: Yeah, ob- objective control seems to be a very uh, central point here, and I mean, G2's ability to team fights can still shine, but um, uh, I mean, t- talking about G2 overall, uh, since you arrived in China, you got to play on stage again, and I feel like G2 is one of those teams that performs better on stage, uh, do you feel it helps you so far? Because it hasn't been the case for Mad Lions, for instance.
3: Uh, I think that... I mean, the first game for me, personally, I was shaky, right? I was like running it down a bit. Um, For the team as a whole, I think we do feel better on stage. I feel like... I mean, Wunder had like issues with sound and he couldn't play with sound in the first game. And then I felt like everyone was slightly choking, you know, like Peric was getting caught. And Mickey and Cubs were like kind of popping off, right? Uh, But then game by by game, I feel like we do feel more comfortable and we do benefit from stage. Um, it's not even about us liking to play on stage more. It's also about, we have like a stage buff, so to call it. We just feel like we play better on stage than we play o- online. So we are, of course, very, very happy that here in China we can actually, uh, we actually get to play on stage. And uh, I think it can benefit us, especially in BO5s. But uh, about the BO5s, we have to get there, right? And right now our situation is Less happy than we expected um, because we did have like some jokes going on and how free is going to be to be like 3-0 after beating Sunning and then you know we drop a game and now we have to like really give our best um, so that we can pick up all the wins but when it comes to stage itself we are like really really glad that we can play on stage and it's very fun and I think the stage itself here is also pretty nice. Um, It's like a huge stage. You have a lot of space for yourself and uh, and it's very funny.
2: It looks amazing from our side, at least. So I'm glad that you're enjoying it in China as well. But uh, uh, following up on another discussion I had with Recklesk uh, regarding Screams, he told me that in Screams, uh, games are longer, uh, very different than the stage experience he had so far. How is it going for G2? Screams versus stage results?
3: Uh, I think we are... Getting better, I think when we came to China, we did tend to lose a lot of games. Team Liquid are actually one of our first stream partners and we won like every single game against them. So we did feel confident because our screen results against the Asian teams were much, much worse. But then when we actually finished the two weeks quarantine and of course we kept screaming for a week and then after quarantine we kept screaming, it feels like we can actually win games. Um, and we do tend to do much better now in scrims than we did in the past Uh, and even we play against like the best uh, teams from China or Korea we actually uh, hold our own and we have like a very very good games like a very close games against them Um, not sure if the games go very late though I feel like from my experience in this meta mm, a lot of the games and level one actually like whoever gets a cheese off like for example tl did today or i remember the game fanatic play played against tsm the they also had like a very scaling draft and if not the level one they would have probably lost that game judging by the fact how two teams played so i just feel like a lot of the game is actually all about level ones and who can like cheese a lead on the other and then if you actually cheese a lead in this meta it feels it feels like your jungler is always ahead in tempo which in return gives you like a, either a farm advantage right so you can do drakes faster because you are just stronger or it gives you a, a lane priority advantage because you can go push out as pretty much every jungler is like a pushing out jungler except for nidali which which ganks better so um, i think the early game is actually very very important in this meta um even though all the junglers are farm for late um it still comes down to level one and then if the game is actually even level one then um we can see more of the crab fights, of the skirmishes around Harald and Drake. Uh, but I think overall the meta is fun, right? And uh, yeah, we are trying to still explore uh, what can we really do with it. If, if we can find something that's um, different than, than all the other teams.
2: I'm waiting for all these secret uh, picks from G2, but I have a last question for you, because you tweeted recently that the longer the tournament gets, the better it gets for EU teams. Uh, Do you still think it's the case? And what do you think about the room for improvement that EU teams have this year?
3: Well, I don't think it's the case for Mad Lions at least anymore. Um, Hopefully it's still the case for Rogue, Fnatic and G2. Um, I mean, I just feel like we had catching up to do Um, because the whole year in Europe we had a meta of tank junglers even Fnatic and Rogue everyone played the same style because G2 was well in summer split we were not always on top but in spring split we were and then summer split was like shaky but of course everyone would still look up to us as we are G2 right we kind of won like a couple of splits in a row now so we had a style of yeah farming a lot, uh, playing a lot of gang junglers and playing a lot of like team slow team fight comps with like a lot of tanks. Meanwhile, in Asia, we saw a lot of a lot more carries. And then in playoffs in Europe, we started picking that style up. All the teams, Fnatic as the first one, then Fnatic uh, did beat um, Rogue and us, and then we both teams also picked up that style. And now we have been playing it for like I guess six weeks, including European playoffs or five weeks. Meanwhile, in Asia, they have been playing it for like a very long time. So I feel like that's why Europe gets better throughout the tournament because we learn more of that style, we improve it and we overall become stronger and stronger playing against uh, all the strong players from all the other regions.
2: All right. Well, thank you so much, Jankos, for the interview. I will let you go to your meeting now. We're all behind you. We all trust you. Uh, we will, you will do well in the second round, Robin. So yeah, thank you for the interview and good luck on the rest. Thank you. See you soon. You. And back to you, Dracos.
0: Wow. Thanks, Lore. Thank you, Yankos, for taking the time. Uh, difficult to coordinate these interviews with players being uh, in China at the moment. Obviously, we got Mac at his hotel room. We got Yankos behind the stage there. But they're tight time slots. So thanks, Lord, for, for taking care of that one. There was a lot said in that interview. A lot of things I think that we were suspicious of. That were
1: confirmed.
0: Very much confirmed. (laughs) Kind of the struggles of G2 around the carry meta. And I think a very, I liked his take at the end there about the room for adaptation and and being very frank about like we just started learning how to play this style you know, for six weeks. And if we look back, it's probably been a year and a half, maybe two years since we've seen like full-on carry junglers, at least in the LEC. So it is a big shift.
1: And I think that... Metas are defined by the players who play in them. And that sounds really obvious, but I think a lot of the time we don't think about it that way. We kind of use the patch notes as gospel, if you will, and like the actual numbers of like the champions. But ultimately, if you have really good Zoe players in your region, your meta can be shifted around that because you go into scrims. This is where everything's going to be decided what the pro players, what the coaches, what the analysts think about everything. And if you're just getting blasted by a dude who is just a god tier Zoe, then you yourself kind of change how you think about this matchup. Like matchups are not set in stone. We've had a lot of conversations with professional players where they think they understand how a matchup goes. They then scrim The other side of that, they lose both sides like, I don't know, anything, everything is a lie. Everything that I thought about, everything is a lie. And it just like it alters their their world. So uh, in terms of Europe, we don't have the strongest jungle pool. I think we have, you know, some decent junglers that pop up. But when you compare them to, you know, some of the LCK or in my opinion, the LPL names, those junglers, that is a stacked role. And it just completely changes everything.
0: SOFM is a terrifying man. So is Kanavi. There's actually a lot of really terrifying. Carsa, Kanavi, Carse. Oh my SOFM. Carsa's been kicking European butt since before he ever left the mm-hmm. LMS. Like, Carsa's been around.
1: The fact that Peanut is the weakest jungler that the LPL brought. Just think about that one. Yeah.
0: By a big margin, too. Peanut is their Mad Lions. Sorry, Matt
1: Lyons. <laughs> sorry, Peanut.
0: <laughs> no, I'm sorry, Matt Lyons. <laughs> I'm not sorry, Peanut.
1: Oh, is that a big deal? Actually, it might be Peanut's too? birthday
0: today. I saw someone tweeting about that. If so happy birthday, Peanut. Sorry, happy we just roasted you. Um, so, anyway, uh, if you're an NA fan and you watch Yankos go, ah, oh, yeah, we gave a game to make NA fans feel better, he didn't. They got caught in the level one. You heard him say it. You can you can still revel in victory. He's just being a cocky boy for entertainment.
1: I do like the idea of the importance of level one, though, because of the nature of jungle and jungle path. It makes
0: a shitload of sense. And
1: how important it is. But that means I cannot wait to see the adaptation of level ones over the course of the tournament.
0: It's going to get really wacky. And if you are a Fnatic fan, this is probably like the best news you've ever heard because historically Fnatic were the level one team. Downside, I heard most of that ingenuity came from a combination of Young Buck and Soaz, but we'll see if there's any of that coming in from the other players. Um, And it's something we'll have to keep our eye on. But we're here to now to focus in on week two to update our group predictions to tell you who we think is making it out of each group. We're gonna go through group by group. So to start off, Group A, which consists of G2 Esports and Suning, both at two and one, and Machi Esports and Team Liquid, both at one and two. Frosco, who makes it out? Why? What are your thoughts?
1: Well, in the previous episode, I was like, TL will make it out. And I was actually not super high on Sooning or G2 because I mm-hmm. thought that they would be really volatile. Now I'm gonna switch it up, even though I think that what I've seen from TL now is really nice even when they're given big leads, they still are in fear of throwing them. And I don't think that G2 will make the same level one mistake and make the same drafting mistake that they did against TL. So I'm going to say it'll be... uh, Sooning, uh, I'll say G2 and Sooning, that order of who's going to get out. I'm putting G2 over Sooning, not just because they beat them in the first game, because I believe that Sooning should have won that game, but where Sooning's weaknesses is, is in the coordination of their team fight. And G2 are perhaps next to Damwon, the best team fighting team at this tournament. It is ridiculous to watch. They're weak at a lot of other things, but their team fighting is crisp.
0: It is, absolutely. Um, you see brief moments of that, like the liquid turn in mid lane that Yankos talked about in that interview, as well as the game that they won against Sooning, where enemy team had an ocean drake, and that maybe, probably should have been unwinnable, especially because SOFM was getting good lease-in kicks every should have won that game. Yeah, and they didn't. And that's, you know, credit to G2 for absolutely outplaying there. That said, when I look at this group, I agree with you. I think it is. G- I think it's the exact you know GT esports sooning, Machi, Liquid. I, I don't know. It depends on who shows up more in, in week two. Although I think Machi right now are playing a little bit better, and I actually like what Machi are doing a lot. As you heard from Yankos, their jungler um, Gemini, bucking the trend, playing Vula Bear in the early game, which I think is a very high risk proposition when we've seen the success of flaming or flaming junglers farming junglers maybe they flame too <laughs> Um you did see a, a definitely a healthy amount of BM today shout out to uh, Pioshik for that sick play it wasn't BM it was just clean but it definitely it felt three, like six, BM 369
1: danced on a fool
0: that's true but he's not a jungler so I had to resist him but if you we call it getting low now anytime 369 pops off we call it get low shout out to uh little John and the east side boys <laughs> and anyone who went to school in the early 2000s slash very late 90s uh, um anywho that one feels that one feels pretty good to me that one feels like pretty locked I do want to give a caveat though that this could blow up in our face and this is this is we're gonna say this after every group because I think that at every stage of worlds it feels like there's always shifts in power in dynamics obviously plans to groups boom obviously groups to bestify but I do also feel like every time we see teams set foot on stage they look very different week two than they did week one. And it's maybe it is just that process of the lesson. It's just a day. I know it's, it's just a 24 day. twenty four hours turnaround. But it's a day to process all of the things, to watch back all the VODs more closely, to watch other people's VODs That's definitely of not what they're doing. Or they're chilling.
1: They're chilling.
0: And maybe is what they need too. Yep. Chilling can be a big difference. Sometimes
1: you just gotta take the mental reset. I agree. It's G two and Sooning.
0: G two and sooning making out of that one. Next up. It is Group B, Damwon Gaming at 3 and 0 JD Gaming at 2 and 1 Rogue at 1 and 2 and PSG Town at 0 3.
1: It's Damwon uh, and Rogue. Next. <laughs> so, what? <laughs> it's Damwon and JDG. Yeah,
0: I, this one is in the order that I think we expect it to go. Um here is here's the question though for for cuz I don't want to just cut Rogue out, you know, it's going to be sad when we have to say goodbye to Rogue. It does. Sorry EU fans, feel like an inevitability here. Um because Rogue this is this is the most clear stack order of any group that we've seen and I think it accurately reflects the strengths of each team in this group. But that said, can Rogue get a game off of JD or Damn one? Like is it possible?
1: Yes. I believe they can get a game.
0: You think they can get a game cuz yeah. that is but that successful. But even if they force for a
1: tiebreaker situation, I'd always favor Let's say they force a tiebreaker situation with JDG and Rogue. I'm still taking JDG.
0: No, and I think that that's fair. So then I guess the question is when when we saw this group drawn we pretty much said Rogue was done so. We said, you took the bullet for you and we appreciate you, right? Now we've seen them, you know, they had a win and they've had, I won't say close games because I think that's disingenuous. I, th- I will say better games than people expected in some of these cases against their opposition. So what is success for Rogue? If you're Rogue, what are you happy with walking away out of this group?
1: I mean, frankly, I think Rogue... In my opinion, I'm already really proud and happy with what I've seen from the team because I feel like I've seen the evolution of Rogue. They used to play very um, traditional by the playbook. There wouldn't be any like weird, quirky plays now. Now they're doing their own cute level ones um with uh push priority and bot lane in specific. You know, they weren't taking resets and swapping lanes that they used to do instead. They were walking back to mid lane and then ganking behind tower, you know, using the Callista, not being afraid to take it into Ash. So I feel like we're now seeing kind of the next steps to Rogue's fundamentals um, and really strong individual performances from them as well. I love what they've been doing with Finn's champion pool and, you know, getting a successful uh, game off with the Malphite. So, I mean, Rogue probably don't feel that way, but as an LEC and Rogue fan, I'm like, yes, I am, I am happy with this team's performance even before seeing week two.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think that Rogue are one of our biggest casualties in, in the carry jungle meta is what i'll say and i've said this on worlds after dark as well and that and that i think that it's not that inspired can't play carry jungler because i actually think inspired is just a good all-around jungler. i think he can play whatever you need him to play it's that when finn is a guy who is suffering on the top side of the map when if bot lane has to make you know an aggressive play and they fall flat like those little tiny moments of weakness or those differences in individual skill and lane matchups affect the jungler more than they affect anybody else right now because it's not you're not giving a kill to a Lee Sin who's going to come up and repeat gank you you're giving away three camps to the enemy jungler they're now a level ahead of you and you can never fight that jungler ever again or invade them again without seeing where they are on the map and i think that that makes the game so freaking hard to play out and it just goes back to what yankos is saying where he's like scrims feel like they're over at level one and i think that's the thing is that we know the second either jungler starts winning The enemy team has to start, it feels like, not entirely, but for the most part, taking bigger risks, throwing these Hail Marys to find ways back into the game, or you will just get kind of chipped away at until you're completely out of the game.
1: As one last compliment to Rogue, I think their ability to play around waves is so good. They are so clean, and that's what makes them really frustrating, and that's what makes them really consistent. Where they've come up short to the G2s and the fanatics of the LEC is their inability to match the pound for pound talent to basically skill check um, and mm-hmm. just get gapped in certain positions. Um, and they they don't have the same creativity or flexibility that those teams did. Yeah, But their awareness around like Inspired is always synced with his team's waves. His, his It's very rare that Rogue will be caught overextended on a wave and like die for no reason and there's no trade. You'll see Finn get dove, but you know, that's not respecting that I'm probably going to get Dove. Maybe I can survive this. No, I'm definitely getting Dove. I can't do anything. But Rogue will almost 99% of the time also be taking something back cross map. They are very clean with their fundamentals and how their jungler works around their waves.
0: And shout out to you and also Vettius because you guys have been batting for Inspired since he entered the league. And I was not a fan because back in the day, the big compliment to Inspired was that he was smart. In an era of playmaking, Junglers Inspired was smart. And I hate when people call players smart. Not that there's anything wrong with being <laughs> smart. It just usually means when you call a player smart it's cause you can't say that they're flashy or they're good or they're a big playmaker. He's and a nice guy. He's a nice guy. You know, it feels it feels like one of those secondary comments, you know? Like obviously it's very good to be smart about League of Legends, but it's much better to be insane to pop off to make big pop-off plays and now i feel like we're seeing the benefits of the smarts and in the playoffs domestically we also got to see the benefits of the individual skill and the individual talent now i feel like inspired is just one of those junglers who is the all-around package alongside larson their jungle mid duo is sick so if you are a rogue fan this might be goodbye i'm sorry friends we'll give them a proper eulogy at the end of week two when we come back for the next episode this might be goodbye but still a team worth being proud of a team hella worth being a fan of
1: i will remember <laughs> you
0: <laughs> we'll, we'll play the uh, i don't know if if this is a tough reference for you in podcast land bear with me but at least in the united states on late night cable they'd always run these giga depressing ads where they would just play sad clips of dogs in Animals. grayscale, yeah. while Sarah mclaughlin would be like animals are hurt every year and you'd just be so depressed you'd want to donate money rogue aren't in that situation but that song does feel appropriate for this moment it does feel
1: accurate for group b
0: it does feel (laughs) accurate for group b um so i'm sorry rogue it will be danwan gaming and jd gaming getting through next up this group i'm definitely not going to say that it's wide open because team solomon are currently sitting at 3 at the bottom of this group but in a three-way tie for first place at two and one it is Fnatic, gen g and lgd gaming oh boy This group, and if you... Okay, I'm just going to start off with the positives. Fanatics game today was a bop. That was great. I loved every second of it. Now, some of it might have to do with the fact that their Rakan did not have a flash. And that seriously hurts you against Hillisang. That felt like two steps, too big brain. Like, you are thinking too many steps ahead. You're like, I know Hillisang is going to all-in me level one, so if I bring an extra combat sum, I'm going to come out on top and I'm going to win the play, yada, yada, yada. When Hillisang's just like, all right, that guy doesn't have flash, we'll just kill him.
1: I think there's a lot more discipline that's coming out of Fnatic. Um, I think their loss against LGD was a bit of a mis-execution in team fighting and a mis-execution mm-hmm. in drafting. I feel like they were trying to experiment to see if they could uh, get around the orn priority pick, but I don't think you can play Graves and Orn, It's got no kill pressure there. And the cute thing of trying to pull the orn out of the ultimate with set ultimate, if they had maybe played Chokes in that team fight because they have a Syndra and a Jin, maybe it com- becomes completely different. But basically, Whippo like ulted the orn and then Fnatic just I don't know, blew their entire load in the team fight and, and just lost to what I feel is yeah. an easier-to-execute composition. Or is this time around, uh, Fnatic were playing on their waves really well, you know, making very successful dives. They had tempered their aggression. They were actually moving as a team. Concerns, however. Uh, Nemesis, when he had graves, I think this was the teleport... Self-made or
0: Nemesis? I'm talking
1: about Nemesis. There mm-hmm. was a teleport play where Nemesis TP top lane to deny a dive on Bwipo. You in act- the
0: game today, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: in okay. the game today. When you actually go back and watch it, uh Selfmade is pathing botside. He's underneath Nemesis and River, and the scrapes is like powerful. And he's po- pathing botside for the eventual dive. And Nemesis doesn't contest the wave. He doesn't contest Azir for the push. And not contesting that push allows Azir to walk top, which forces Nemesis to respond in TP. And it and it seems really small. And maybe I'll go back and watch it and, like, find something. But from where I'm standing, I'm like, you should have contested the push there. You you had your jungler. You could have felt brave to do so. I believe he had flash. He had mana. Um, And if you contest the push there, then you don't have to expend your TP to protect Bwipo into the top side. And it's little things, but you can't afford to make little mistakes like that against, you know the better teams in the tournament. And I think this game was about the fact that Jinji usually play a little bit faster than this. They usually yeah. play through bot lane as well. And when you had an, an Azir and the fact that Selfmade got so far ahead, um, you couldn't make much off of the Azir's priority push that he was giving for clid to make an emphasis and when self controlling the jungle pathing then suddenly there's there's no playthrough bot lane and all jinji can do is try to counteract the aggression that Fnatic are throwing at them with champions that weren't ready to fight when they decided to fight
0: yeah, and I think the big thing here is that when you watch this game as a fan and you're not looking at it with a critical eye, all you see is Fnatic domination. I think for the most part, because Fnatic, for the most part, outside of one or two of those like late game throws with the TP's bot lane, were in control of this game. And that, when you look at it, that's reckless and Hillasang two v two, absolutely smurfing. Like big shout outs to those guys, self made playing very well in the Grays, but mostly I think capitalizing on his laner's doing well. But when you want to be more critical, when you want to look forward, and you want to go, how do other teams beat Fnatic? How do I talk Fnatic? I think you have you have to look at that because I, you. BDD is a great uh, Azir player, right? And he was on a good pick. But at the end of the day, Azir is limited in how much he can snowball that lead. But there are players who, even if their bot lane is, is losing, if you give them that kind of push priority, if you give them that kind of advantage, even if they can't go to your bot lane because your bot lane is giga fed, will go elsewhere, will make plays happen. And when I look at the Knights and the Chovies and the Showmakers and hell, even Caps, like these are, these are the kind of players that will exploit that and now maybe we don't know. Maybe this is, this this doesn't necessarily fall purely on Nemesis's head. Maybe Nemesis is getting bad information. Maybe he's convinced that enemy jungler is like right next to his lane so he can't contest it's, the push. It's
1: clearly like a team thing. Like You can yeah. always chalk it up to this was a team thing that I noticed. But against a stronger team, I don't think that you get away with that. And I don't think you have as dominant a victory. And when Jinji did manage to punch back at Fnatic, I believe the bot lane play where they collapse yep. onto them and push through, Um, it's still really scary like how much they get out of it but um reckless and hilly absolutely smurfed self had a great game i think whippo yep. and nemesis were really solid and that's what i like to see like i'm really happy to see fanatic uh it feels like not be fumbling around in draft again last year at worlds it was like are we playing garen yumi are we playing Ca-? like what are we and, and we
0: got shades <laughs> of that in the in the set top game where it was like it felt like wrong information potentially you know and obviously maybe some mis-execution too and I, that's where i got worried but today's game was actually big for my faith in this team that said they're still tied with genji they're still tied with lgd we just saw how they beat genji i think that they can repeat that success but given we can say poor summoner choice poor early performance i think there's a little bit of room for giving genji a better shot in the rematch
3: i
1: like the word that yamato used on the desk when talking about teams uh depth and i think what he's alluding to with that word or how i interpret it is You know what? How many looks does this team have? How many? What? What is their champion pool? What are their formations like? What? How? What is the cap?
0: (laughs) You've used so many more words that people probably aren't going to know. How much more is in the toolkit? How many more styles of composition can they play? How many more players can they carry through? How many more different bot lanes do they have that they can go to and draft and still get the same result? Set
1: plays, things like that. And I don't think that Fnatic have the same depth as our favorites in the tournament. I think. This game was probably the best look that you got of Fnatic. That was absolutely Fnatic in top form. And it's good, but is it top four good?
0: Yeah, is, is, it, it, is, top it, is two it win good? a best of 5 against a t- top contender of this team good? That's a good question.
1: I mean, maybe not a top contender. I think that Fnatic very very easy for me to say that they're a top 8 team. When it goes to top 4, I'm like, no, they're not a top 4 team. And I I think that this is the ceiling of them. Do I think they're better than Gingy? Yeah, I've always yeah. thought that, but people tell me that gen g has a much higher ceiling and you know i have more experience with with fanatic than i do with gen g like i haven't watched all of gen g's vods so maybe my estimation of gen G's ceiling is just lower but right now i'm telling you that like i saw the best fanatic and they look good they don't look top four good
0: yeah but the good news for Fnatic is right now we're not talking about top four we're talking about making it out of groups
1: they're making it out of
0: groups okay so then here's the here's the last question around this group what the hell's happening with lgd because this is a team
1: lgd is a bad team
0: yes that
1: garbage yes. team
0: and if you've been following us through plans you know we had a lot of reason to say that and yet despite that they are 2-1 in this group
1: because if you can't skill check their players then you don't get to beat lgd i'm not gonna say names but you know who i'm talking
0: about well we, okay we talked about fanatics game already that feels a little bit like lost in draft and a little bit that yeah that's like the this is of course the the set top lane versus the orn thing i don't think we're gonna get that same game again i'm not sure but like Is there a world where Fnatic or Genji do not get out of this group and LGD does?
1: I mean, things would have to go dramatically sideways, but yes, it's a low percentage. It's not impossible. But the thing is, is like how LGD beat you is they skill check you. Their individual players play better on that matchup, play better on the day. They're not playing better than you as a team. This team barely plays as a team. They are five individual dudes running it down in flex queue. And these dudes, really good. You're like, man, that guy's a one trick. He's so good at that champion. You're like pulling up his rooms. You're trying to figure everything out. Next thing you know, Vettius is doing like, I don't know, a Telestrator segment on how this champion works. Sorry, that was a joke that like went way too deep <laughs> and did land. So I'm just going to pull back. <laughs> My statement is Fnatic and Ginji are better teams and you have to meet a benchmark of you must be this good at the game to ride this ride and beat LGD and some teams and some players can meet that benchmark and some teams can't and we call that the LGD benchmark.
0: Damn. That's such a condemnation of LGD. If that sounds personal, it's because it is. Because Frost loved LGD in 2015. I've
1: been personally hurt She's by been them.
0: Personally wronged. Her analytical credibility—I won't say was irreparably damaged because most people don't remember 2015, but no, was people damaged. S-
1: still blame me, and I wasn't even there. I wasn't even the LPL representative. It was no, Spawn. We
0: were in the audience. But you did think that. I
1: did think that, <laughs> yes. But it wasn't me.
0: Yeah, it's true. You weren't the one pushing that narrative. You it might was, have agreed with it, but it wasn't your fault.
1: It was Jack and Zyrene and Spawn.
0: Yeah. Spawn, the greatest LPL snake oil salesman of all time. Such a shame. He had to leave that. Follow him region. at SpawnLol. <laughs> at SpawnLol, our good friend. Spawn is the absolute best. Uh, yeah, check out Spawn. Meanwhile, so TSM, sorry, TSM, you're 03. Teams have done it, but I would not have predicted Fnatic at 03. I never will, despite the fact that they always seem to do it when it matters most, and I won't predict you at 0-3. Equal treatment. Equal treatment for the NA and EU teams. That's what I say about that. Next group. This one also. We in... didn't do the order. Oh, yeah. Do you want to do... Is it Fanatic 1 or Fanatic 2?
1: I have Fanatic 1, but I feel like everyone else I talk to, it has Fanatic 2, and I'm curious what you think.
0: I also think Fanatic 1. I was not... It's you and actually, I got it's... a very
1: different read off of Gingy. It's... I've also been hurt by Clid, so I, think I I'd never want to trust him.
0: I was not blown. Away. I think Ruler is good.
1: He also has an ear infection, so for all we know, his ear infection could like clear up because those and are painful. He
0: be, yeah, he could be insta-smurfing, so there is that factor to take into account. For me, it's like, look if you want to if you want to advocate for Genji getting out first, you talk about Ruler maybe underperforming individually a little bit from what you're used to. You talk about, you know, some some coordination issues that you see in the team and you definitely talk about the stupid-ass summoner choice that happened in the bottom lane today. Even if there was a good idea behind it, it didn't play out, don't try it again. That's it. I think you get one in the group stage when it comes to decisions like that. Um, there's no time for salty runbacks in week two, in my opinion. And in that case, like, if you really believe all those things and you think those are things that can get solved, I can see you putting Genji first. But for me, I see Fnatic as... Fnatic might drop a game to TSM, but I see them as much more reliable to beat LGD again and much more reliable to beat Genji again. And maybe that's just because I'm an LEC commentator and I just I look at the lowest team in the group and I go, God damn it, they're our biggest threat. Um, maybe that's just the way the G2 has traumatized me. But yeah, I just I think Fnatic and then Genji. I don't believe in LGD. I will never believe in LGD. They might prove me wrong. I will still not vote for them.
1: I just think that this meta is decided by support jungle. And I think self made and hilly when they're playing their best are almost unmatched in this group that's why i have faith in them i like that but that said hilly giveth and hilly taketh away
0: absolutely oh and for those of you wondering me saying lgd will never make it out of this group no matter what that's what caster bias sounds like i do not like (laughs) lgd i will always cast them impartially but do not ask me if i like this team because i do not they have historically burned too many bridges.
1: <laughs> Go to your room, LGD.
0: <laughs> Go to your room, LGD. You
1: will be forgiven when you win worlds and not before.
0: There it is. Next group, last. And in our case, uh, you know, I will say not least. CIS representatives are there. And if you're an LEC fan, you probably got some love for the unicorns of love. Maybe you miss their quote-unquote chaos style. Maybe you're so glad that it's gone forever. But either way, you might be happy to see them in Worlds so far. Sadly, they're currently sitting at 0-3 and fourth seed of the group. Third place is FlyQuest at 1-2. We're doing this one in reverse. DRX at 2-1 and, and top Esports at 3-0. Oh. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this one feels pretty locked there, Frosco.
1: Yes, but I do want to say this. Maybe a hot take. Maybe an unpopular opinion. FlyQuest versus DRX was not a close game. Ooh. FlyQuest... In my opinion, their composition needed to get ahead much earlier and much harder than it did. And yes, people will talk about the Drakes and maybe that could have broken it. But all I see is that FlyQuest got a couple of little scrapes onto DRX while Deft was just feeding plates just getting funneled in so much gold i believe he was 30 or 40 cs ahead of the clock on the caitlin and the nature of drx's comp because the thing is is there's this perception that unless you smash someone from like level one and it's just an absolute bloodbath and you were just beating them to a pulp that it's somehow not a domination of a game and i feel like rogue versus Damwon was a super dominating game for Damwon, even though people be like, ah, yeah, but Rogue got a couple of good hits on them, And that's fair. There were a couple of good shots, but Damwon dominated that game. And DRX versus FlyQuest, that wasn't just an int from Ignar. That was domination from DRX. You may not know what it looks like. It may be unfamiliar to you, but Deft didn't for a second think that that game was going to be lost. He was massive on Caitlyn. Chovy was massive on Zoe. And you can say... But how is Zoe going to have kill pressure in, into that orange? FlyQuest's composition was good. Solid composition. But no, that was that was a 10k gold deficit that was decided and just immediately swung. It was only a matter of time before the cannon was prepped and ready to fire. And then DRX yeah. were just lining up the shot. They saw the perfect moment. They hit the trigger and they blasted your team. This,
0: I can't tell if this is personal or if it's like a mercy killing. Like you know, like it's an animal suffering in the wild, and you're just like, I, it's it can't go back. The predators will get it. Like I got to take it out right now. This is this the mercy killing? Are you just trying to let people know that like you're like, look? Guys. I just I
1: get really tired. I I don't want to I don't want to see the conversation. Like I think that there are plenty of things that you can compliment teams on, not just um, NA. But again, I'm also going to use the Rogue example because I didn't think that the Rogue versus Damwon game was close either, and I feel like the narrative got shifted in that like. Oh yeah. They they put it together. I'm like, no, that's not how this works. And I literally tweeted for both of those games, the Rogue and uh, Dam One game, and the FlyQuest and the um, DRX game. I'm like, this. Sometimes the nature of the compositions means that victory looks like this, and it doesn't make it any less of a quality victory. And if Just you don't know that, yeah. then you don't really respect of how scary DRX
0: can be. Just because you're getting the OG victory as an origin, the team, and not the G two victory. Doesn't mean all the time that it's any less of a victory. Sometimes you are just getting bled out. Sometimes there aren't the avenues to come back. And I, I don't want to agree with you on the rogue point because I do. I still liked things that I saw in that game. But yeah, you're but right. you could
1: say the same thing for FlyQuest. There were little moments but- where you're
0: like, hell yeah. But that was a systematic dismantling. Yes, they did not blow them out. It was a TKO. It wasn't the straight knockout in round one where they never got a chance to play the game. They were, you know, incrementally chipped away at by points essentially. Uh, but it doesn't, it's still, you didn't, there was no shot. But I do have to give a shout out to the young Pyoshik because I'm not a big Pyoshik fan, but he did finally get to play Kindred. For those of you who don't know, Pyoshik means mark in Korean and he is a former or is a current, I guess, Kindred one trick, although I guess when you're a pro, you don't really- He had really...
1: like four marks at 10 minutes.
0: Four marks at like, yeah, 10 or 11 minutes. <sighs> uh, he had that insane blast cone play. So shout out to Pioshik. I'm still not 100% convinced of you, young man, but that was- nasty.
1: And here's the thing, because I was also in this discussion. If that team composition goes super late against FlyQuest, and you have to fight front to back, and you have massively fed kindred who unlike graves does have kill pressure on orn still gonna sure. take a while but can chip him down whereas graves just will never kill him and you have caitlin uh your ability to fight front to back and deny any sort of dive potential because you have a kindred ultimate so that pantheon support is just gonna fall off and really be nothing i think that drx win if that composition goes late no matter that the orns there are or not like orn obviously is a powerful champion and offers yeah. teams a lot but Caitlyn kindred late game fighting front to back it's also, both those comps
0: <laughs> it's also this is the trap that people can fall into is that like you both teams have different ways that they want to play fights and so the scaling discussion is never as black and white as people want to make it out to be and thus one composition really just is ass late game like because that does happen people do just draft teams like comps that just have to win and have no tools to fight back and it's just not it's not as simple as who does more damage or who survives longer on more items like that's the easiest way to look at team fights, and I think a trap a lot of people fall into, and not one that I think you are, but just for clarification, because, like, at the end of the day, you got to think about how every champion's going to hit every champion. You got to think about how every champion's. Yes, you got to think about the damage numbers too, but you also have to think about where they fight, how they fight, the situations where they're going to get there. Like, great, you scaled the late game. Sadly, you gave up four dragons, and so now you're forever down five thousand, ten thousand, however much an ocean soul or whatever is worth an equivalent value. And those are things that have to be taken into account. Where? How do you get them to fight you? What tools do you have to kick it off? You got a Pantheon or and all that looks pretty nice. But you have to fight walking into a Caitlyn, Kindred, and Lux, which also sounds pretty terrible. So eh, I think it's complicated. But yeah, I agree with you. I don't think that that it's not just a matter of just waited out boys. And it wasn't a matter of just waited out boys for Rogue either. I think you're right to compare these games because I think that they're very similar. Um,
1: this group, though. Top esports, DRX. Boom. Our top four teams right now are Damwon, JDG, top esports. And then who's the fourth spot? Because I think then you're suddenly in a race between DRX, Suning, G2. Maybe if Gen.G have a better oh, performance. You know, no. then it gets really exciting. You're right, but that, all right. That bucket is fun.
0: Let us know. We'll talk about it after groups week two about who we think the top four is. We'll leave people with that. So we're going to be back again. If you haven't checked out the schedule at all, I think it's available on at LEC. But basically after every stage we record the evening of so that we're technically recording this on Tuesday and then it will be released tomorrow. What is today for you guys on Wednesday? But just let us know who you think and you can keep you can keep keep letting us know as your opinion changes who you think number four is top three feels locked maybe someone drops out of that crazier things have happened in uh, quote unquote week two of groups week one and a half in this case um, but yeah that's something I want to keep my eyes on because I don't have a good answer for you Frosco and I until I see a best of five I don't want to say anything because some of these teams are going to break and some of these teams are going to flourish when they get into a best of five
1: I feel like it's between in my opinion DRX and G2 but maybe I'm being LEC biased and it's actually between Sooning and DRX and then Fnatic fans are like but what about
0: as you said fanatic unfortunately maybe have hit their ceiling we'll have to see we'll have to find out there's a lot on the line as we look forward towards week two of groups. But this has been Euphoria Worlds episode two. Following week one of the group stage. If you enjoyed it, be sure to follow me and frostgrown on Twitter. And if you're feeling generous, you can also follow our friend Spawn at Spawn Law. <laughs> Spawn Law. He lives down in that weird upside down country in the bottom. You might know it as Australia. He doesn't get to see people as much as we get to see people. So send him some love. This is a meme, by the way. If you're, if you're not in the loop, it's totally fine. Follow at Spawn Law is our favorite meme that we might be perpetuating uh regardless thank you so much for listening um we'll see you guys next week frost and i will be casting next week as well together the mom and dad duo we cast on thursday we're gonna get to close out g2's group and we're gonna get to close out group d as well wait which one's group d that's the one without a european team but the cis is there so we gotta cast some unicorns of love. i think we'll find out we'll keep you guys posted regardless this has been euphoria worlds episode two uh I almost said I'm Frost. I'm Dracos, This is Frost and we're um, we're signing off. We'll see you later. Bye-bye. Bye.